0: Dr. Brendan McCarthy, I'm the Chief Medical Officer of Protea Medical Center in Chandler, Arizona. Thank you so much for tuning into my podcast. Uh, today, as I start every podcast, I want to say that the things that we discuss in this podcast, I cite, especially today's another good one that I, I want to make sure you have an opportunity to look at the uh, citations. Whenever I do these podcasts, I do a lot of research preparing for them, and I put together a lot of uh, articles that I use to kind of drive my thinking. And so what I would like you to do, if you have a chance, look down into the description section of this video and you'll see some of the things I'm citing, especially with today's. So the reason why is today's we're going to be talking about what is bioidentical hormone replacement therapy. And, and that's an important question, but it actually goes back to more towards are hormones safe? Is it safe for me to use hormones? Is this a dangerous thing? Am I, am I, am I jeopardizing my health? Am I putting my life at risk? Because many of us feel that way. I would say that it's important to start off with understanding that hormones are an important part of your biology. We're supposed to have it. If you're a type one diabetic, you need insulin. There are some hormones that are essential for being alive. There are some hormones that are essential for having a good quality of life. Hormones are not meant to be either too low or too high they're meant to be just within a very tight specific range for health and we know that by bringing it to the optimal level it really does improve your quality of life and your overall wellness the two hormones i'm going to focus on are the two that are most controversial and and that's going to be estrogen and progesterone and um the thing is, is that there's a lot of confusion regarding hormones and whether I should take these hormones or not take them. Is this safe for me to take this? Is it not safe for me to take this? Um, you'll have patients say to me things that come to the office. And say, well, I hear that hormones will cause cancer. You know, I've heard that hormones cause cancer. They'll say, uh, they go to their doctor's office and one doctor will say, you know, this is completely safe and you can do this hormone. Then they'll go to a different doctor and their other doctor says, that this is deadly, it's going to kill them. You know, when you have two doctors arguing through a patient and it's conflicting, it's so incredibly confusing and it's so difficult to make an educated and an intelligent decision. And, and, and when you see that, when I see that clinically, when I have patients coming in and, and they went to their, you know, their, their GP or to their allergist or, or, you know, anyone else and the other doctor says, oh, this is dangerous, you shouldn't do this. Then they come in to me, I can see the confusion in their eyes. I can see the fear as well. So my goal today is to help dispel that and explain to you a little bit more clearly what, what is going on. You know, what, what is risky and what is safe. The issue boils down to what substance is being used, what medication is being used in the person. Because when it comes to hormone replacement therapies, there's a wide variety of substances being used, okay? Not all of them are safe. Not all of them are safe. Um, the true confusion boils down to the terminology that's being used. The different m- terms that are being used for each hormone. So these are two pivotal parts of what I'm going to talk about today. It's going to be what substance is being used, and then the terms being used to describe the substance. And I know this sounds confusing than what I'm talking about right now. I promise you it'll make sense as we go through. Let me start with bioidentical hormones. Bioidentical hormones are made to look exactly like the hormone your body makes. It is the same exact molecular structure. There's absolutely no difference. It is the same thing. That's what the definition of bioidentical is. So estradiol and progesterone, those two terms, those are truly bioidentical. They are made to look exactly like what you make. Those are natural hormones. Bioidentical hormones are available as either a commercial product or you can have them compounded. Some people think that bioidentical means they have to be compounded in a special pharmacy. That's not true. That's not true. You can get them commercial. Now, there's drawbacks to using commercial. There are drawbacks to doing uh, uh, compounded. And we could talk about that at a different podcast. But I want you to know this is not just one special little area. You can get this at your local Walgreens or, or CVS or Costco pharmacy. These are not... Weird things we're talking about bioidentical. These are found in commercial preparations. Um, where did that term bioidentical originate? Because that's a you know controversial thing in the medical industry. You know, people think of it as being a marketing term. A oh, bioidentical is a marketing term. It's actually not. You know, bioidentical just refers to the molecular structure of the hormone being used It's completely identical to the one the human uses. The term bioidentical just arose. In the past 20 years, because there's been so many other substances being put out onto the market that are used with hormone-like actions that are not bioidentical. So we needed to get a term, they needed to use a term to help separate what is natural, what is natural to a human body, and what is not, okay? What is synthetic is not bioidentical. What is natural, but natural to a different animal is not bioidentical. <laughs> Let's say another animal, what are you talking about, Brendan? Dude, (laughs) we're going to get into it with this one. Um, Hormone preparations that are molecularly different from human hormones are the most commonly used in the market right now. The hormone preparations on the market for estrogen and progesterone, the most common ones out there, are not bioidentical. They're not molecularly similar to what you and I make in our own bodies. They're different. That's the most common thing used out there. Um, They're either going to be something called uh, non-bioidentical natural or they're going to be completely synthetic. The non-natural, uh, excuse me, the natural non-bioidentical would be something like derived from horse, horse estrogens. And then the synthetic would be ones sort of like uh, proveria uh, or, or medroxyprogesterone acetate or, or even ethanol estradiol. Okay, so, so again, let me break it back out. There's three different terms we're using here. Bioidentical, similar to what you make. Same thing, your body makes that. That's normal and natural. The second one, you're going to have the natural, but not human. And that's gonna be the hormones that came from a horse. Okay, I know that sounds crazy. You're listening to this like, he's really saying this. It's true, and some of you already know this, but some people, I, I remember the first time I heard it came from a horse, I was like, what? Why? You know, it's shocking. And then the third group is gonna be completely synthetic with no natural source at all. It's made completely in a lab to look a certain way, okay? So you can look in this slide right here and you can see on your left side is going to be progesterone, okay? And that's progesterone. That's what your body makes. And those are those four rings you have there that are consistent with, with what you find in a human uh, steroid. That's a, that's a normal steroidal ring. We're supposed to have those. Um, and then you have to the right there, hydroxyprogesterone acetate, that's Provera. Now, take a look at that. And I want you to say, you look at this and part of your brain glazes over, and I, I know that my brain glazes over too when I look at this sometimes. But I want to make sure you understand this. If I were to draw for you a map to go from your house to, say, the supermarket, you'd be able to look at that map and know that I'm drawing a picture to the supermarket because you know the turns and you drive it every day and you know what that pathway looks like. If I were to draw the map for you to go to your work, your place of work, you know what I'm drawing. Or to your mom's house or whatever, you know the map I'm drawing. Because you look at it every day, you know the pathway, you know the lines that I'm talking about. This is no different. It's just something you have never used before. So please don't look at this and be overwhelmed. It's okay to look at it and be like, I have no idea what the heck this says. But just trust me, you could learn this. And you can recognize a map to your house. You can recognize a map to... This is a recognizable thing. What I do want you only to take away from this, the only thing that's really important here, to the right, the medroxyprogesterone acetate, you can see there are structural differences on the far right. There's a different oxygen group on there. You can see there's different methyl groups added onto it. Different alkyl groups added onto it. It's not the same. Okay? So that's medroxyprogesterone acetate. That is a completely synthetic compound that binds to progesterone receptors sometimes. Look at the next slide here, and now we have estradiol and equilin. So similar, again, you have those four rings that are consistent with a normal steroid, and similar in a lot of ways, but again, different in others. And so this is, equilin is horse estrogen, and that's used in, in uh, Estratab and Menest, others. You know, um, Estratab was discontinued in the United States, I believe. Uh, but anyway, Menest is still out there. Uh, and a few other things use it, but it's it's basically conjugated estrogens. And and this is a, this is not a synthetic. This is a natural occurring hormone, but it is bioidentical to horses, not humans. So again, the molecular structure is going to be different. Scrolling down again, the next one we have here is another horse-derived hormone. So you see that estradiol is so different from equilenin and equilenin again it's natural it's natural to a horse but it's also natural to a horse's urine. Okay? So this is not bioidentical. This is not human derived. This is equilenin. This is good to be in a horse but not even in the horse's it needs to be in the horse's urine. The next one is going to be a synthetic, and that's ethanol estradiol. And there's estradiol again on the left, and you see ethanol estradiol on the right. That was generated in a lab that's made specifically as a synthetic. And it has a higher strength than natural estradiol. It's a little more difficult for the liver to process it. You end up having a lot more estrone orally when you take it. And estrone, again, as I mentioned in a previous podcast, estrone is an uh, inflammatory estrogen metabolite your body makes that is associated with breast cancer risks and uh it also increases uh the risk of deep vein thrombosis because it stimulates thrombin making your body your blood want to clot so you know estradiol and ethanol estradiol look at that there's there's a completely it is just a different substance i mean again they have the same four rings but the difference there is going to see the far right the the uh groups added onto it Think about it this way. Instead of getting into organic chemistry and and weird stuff like that, these are like keys, you know? I use this analogy a lot. I hope it's a good one. (laughs) I hope it's a good one. You know, like, so um, my wife uh, had a roommate, you know, this is back when we were dating, and her roommate, Jen, had a Honda, and my wife had a Toyota. And one time, I accidentally took Jen, her roommate's keys, and the Honda keys, and I started my wife's car. It was weird because I started the car, but um, certain lights wouldn't go on. The radio didn't work. Power steering, I think, didn't work, too. I didn't understand why it didn't all work. It was weird, you know? And and we found out that Celeste could do the same thing. It was weird. Their keys kind of worked with each other. It kind of started the car, but the car didn't run right. It was the strangest thing. It's like that with these. You know, the key is very similar these hormone shapes are very similar. These two keys are similar in shape. It's just a little jag, a little bit different here, a little jag, a little bit there. And that sends a different signal to the body. and has a different action within the body, how the body metabolizes. So these guys, as I mentioned, are all have a different molecular structure. What's wrong with that? You know what I mean? Does that make a real big difference? The thing is, is that everything that was on the right of those slides is not natural to a human body. That's not specific to us. It's not supposed to be in our bodies normally. They're not eliminated the same way. A lot of times they last a lot longer. Think of this, you know, if you're using corticosteroids, if you're giving someone hydrocortisone orally, the half-life of that, it's in and out of your body in a couple hours. But if I'm doing the same thing with prednisone, that's out of your body in over eight hours. It's just different some things are okay to be using on the regular some things are super strong and they're going to have these other impacts that you need to be aware of these hormones estrogen progesterone these synthetic variations of them and non-bioidentical variations of them they have different rates of metabolism out of our body so if they're not leaving the body at the same time they're sticking around longer you're gonna have different actions you're gonna have different side effects to worry about different things we have to watch for um Another thing that's important, because the structures are different, and I want to use medroxyprogesterone acetate as an example, when you use medroxyprogesterone acetate, it works really well for the lining of the uterus. It will inhibit the lining of the uterus from from growing too much. It's great for, for that endometrial hyperplasia that goes on, that thickening lining. So it suppresses that. Great. When you take it, though, it suppresses your natural production of progesterone, because that's what birth control does. And that's what Provera does. So you're going to suppress your natural progesterone secretion, okay? And then this MPA, medroxyprogesterone acetate, primarily binds to the line of the uterus. It doesn't do anything to breast tissue. It doesn't really bind to that receptor very well. It also, for sure, does not cross the blood-brain barrier. That's the big one. This is why when you have people who take progesterone, medroxyprogesterone acetate, excuse me, when they take the MPA, medroxyprogesterone acetate, they tend to have more neurological symptoms. They have more insomnia, more depression, more anxiety. This is because the natural progesterone levels are being suppressed. Medoxyprogesterone acetate doesn't cross the blood-brain barrier. It does not convert to allopregnenolone, which binds to the GABA receptor in the brain and modulates anxiety. So when you take medoxyprogesterone acetate, you have a higher incidence of anxiety in those people. Not every time, but often enough. The other thing is is that when using synthetics, they may trigger different gene expression. So that's what hormones do. So when you use a synthetic or you use a a non-bioidentical, you may be triggering different gene sequences we don't know about or that you're not supposed to have happen. And that's where you start seeing those cancer risks go up. So the different structures have different actions and are active in different ways in our bodies. So we know that bioidentical fits the key into the lock just like it's supposed to. It works in all the places it's supposed to. Synthetics and non-bioidentical don't quite do that. So there's a little confusion there. Like, well, which? Why? why would I even do the other two to begin with? I'll get there later. Let's make it even more confusing because it gets way more confusing. Progestin is not what progesterone is. But they use that term interchangeably. So synthetic progesterone, such as medroxyprogesterone acetate, often gets confused with progesterone. I mean, think about it. It says medroxyprogesterone acetate. They're saying progesterone in the word. It's not progesterone. It's not the same. Using, you have you're using the same word to describe two different medications, two different classes of medications, two different structures of medication. It's sort of like going to the store and saying, I want a Coke, but you want a Sprite. And I know that happens. I have a, one of the docs I work with, she's from Oklahoma and she says that, you go know to the store, you're like, hey, can I have a Coke? And they're like, what kind of Coke? You're like, I want the Sprite kind. That happens, you know what I mean? And people say they want a Coke, but they just mean they want a cola. It's because you've gotten so grabbed up by just one name for it. And they use that like Band-Aid. You know, that's, you know this is the thing, you get these, the nomenclature though matters because there's different types of sodas and different flavors of sodas. I mean, different Band-Aids, different shapes. Yeah, but Band-Aid's, Band-Aid's not a good example forget banded. let's just stick with the coke one so you know different flavors of coke different effects different flavors you know same thing with different hormones but you can't use one name for them it gets confusing um estrogen is used as a term for equalin or conjugated estrogens but it's not estradiol the terminology is being interused the natural the term for natural hormones is being applied to synthetics and non-bioidentical And that makes it incredibly confusing because synthetics and non-bioidentical have a high risk for pathology. Synthetics and non-bioidentical cause problems in our health that bioidentical do not. But if you're going to give the same name to both, it becomes confusing as to which I should use. The thing is, you know... It gets even confusing for physicians and researchers. I read a lot of research, and it gets annoying, annoying, because I'll read a study that says, oh, progesterone increases these risk factors for this, and I'll be like, oh, okay, I need to read this. You know, So I'll start reading the article. I go all the way through it, and by the time I get to the methods and material, I realize when they say progesterone, they mean progesterone acetate. They mean the synthetic. They don't mean progesterone that your body makes. It's confusing. Um I want to quote someone here. Uh and this is a, a article I read years ago. Um it was an article called The estrogen an estrogen by any other name by by Jeffrey uh Blaustein and he uh, this is published in the journal endocrinology uh and I know it's old. <laughs> I'm old. I read this when it came out 2008. <laughs> I remember it like it was yesterday. Um and so, so he said, as an editor and now editor-in-chief of this journal. So this is the editor-in-chief of the journal Endocrinology writing this. So let me, let me say that. As well as a reader of papers in endocrinology, I continue to see a problem with nomenclature that I believe needs to be remedied. The term estrogen has taken on numerous meanings, and this has led to a confusing, imprecise literature, and it has confused our colleagues and the public some authors use it synonymously with estradiol. So the term estrogen is being used synonymously with estradiol, whereas others use it to refer to any compound with estrogenic properties in a particular system. However, estrogen is not a particular hormone. Rather, it refers to a class of compounds with estrogenic activity. In other words, what he's saying is like, we're using the word estrogen to describe all of them. And it's confusing to people because there's a lot of variety, a variety in there. He goes on to say, the imprecise use of terminology could be exemplified in the misunderstandings that followed publications of the Women's Health Initiative and the Women's Health Initiative memory study. Those were big things back in the early 2000s. And I'll get into it a little bit more in a minute. When these authors, as well as many others, refer to the cocktail of conjugated equine estrogens, horse urine. Uh, uh, and other compounds in premarin and prempro as estrogen they did not mean the same thing as when others refer to estradiol as estrogen so the media and the authors of these studies were using the term estrogen to refer to synthetics not to what we would think of as human Not synthetics. excuse me yeah synthetics well sorry it's not just synthetics. We're talking about the horse urine, which is not synthetic. It's natural, but not human. See, it gets confusing even for me to talk about this. It's all clear up here, but it's like just so. It's like a word salad with this stuff. It gets so confusing. When endocrinologists use the same word for more than one compound or treatment, this is a problem bound to create misunderstanding. Goes on a little bit further. Megoxi progesterone acetate, or Provera. The synthetic progestin found in Prempro is sometimes incorrectly referred to as progesterone. Endocrinologists know it is not. progesterone acetate is a synthetic steroid with progesterone-like effects in some situations. That's the editor-in-chief of the journal Endocrinology. Acknowledging the misuse of terminology is confusing people. This confusion sets the stage for where we are today where some people saying hormones cause cancer it's so not correct because it's mixing too many things together and it's not clear or precise language let me get more specific with this i am going to give you a very brief history of hormone replacement therapy in america yay, it's history time Um, so in 1976 studies started coming out showing that natural bioidentical hormones are safe and they're beneficial they play a role in promoting wellness and health in a population as they decline so that's as the hormones decline so that's been being published at the same time in the late 1970s we had reports of increased uh, risk of endometrial and breast pathology among users of synthetic hormones so in that period of time In 76, we see natural ones getting benefit, and we see synthetic ones starting to have risks. That's when the research started going, again, look to my citations in this. It's in the description section. As early as 1980, synthetic progestins were associated with thrombotic phenomena, breast tissue cell hyperplastic changes, and cardiovascular, cholesterol, carbohydrate, and lipid metabolism changes. So synthetic progesterone was already being seen as a problem in the early 1980s for for, for uh, blood clots, for breast cancer, uh, for cardiovascular risks with its cholesterol, carbohydrate, and lipid metabolism changes, which would be like type 2 diabetes, those sorts of things. That's all being seen in the literature. Again, my citations. This prompted more research in the early 80s into bioidentical. What could bioidentical do for us? What's beneficial? Then in the 80s and and, and early 90s, researchers expressed concern that synthetic progesterone, synthetic progestins in hormone therapy could increase the risk of breast cancer. And this is when Foydart, which I, I really, seminal study, great study. Foydart and colleagues demonstrated that estradiol and progesterone had less proliferative effects on breast tissue cancer cell lines than synthetic progestins and conjugated estrogens. They showed that synthetic progesterone and synthetic estrogen or or synthetic progesterone and natural non-human estrogen. There we go again. I made that mistake twice in this episode. They are causing a higher risk for breast cancer that were not seen with natural and bioidentical. That's in the literature. Again, citations. Another brilliant study that I always think people who get involved in this should be aware of is the study by Frank and Vermes that showed the progesterone-induced apoptosis, which is a fancy word for cell death, in breast cancer cell lines that were conversely stimulated by synthetic progestins and other angiogenic progestins. In other words, natural progesterone caused cell death in breast cancer cell lines that were stimulated by synthetic progesterone. They have an opposite effect. One promotes cancer, one does not. The bioidentical does not. The bioidentical is anti-cancer in this study. The bioidentical is cell death in breast cancer cells. The synthetic caused it, triggered it, wrote it. That is so important. This breast cancer we're talking about. We should be doing everything in our power to be clear and precise with our terminology. But here we have a word, progesterone, that describes two compounds, one of them that could prevent breast cancer, the other one that can inhibit it. We shouldn't be fooling around with this or arguing it. It's frustrating because we spend so much time in medical school learning biochemistry and drawing these pathways out. We learn so much time in, in, in pre med doing organic chemistry, learning this. We know better. Doctors know better. We would have failed organic chemistry if we, we were sloppy with this, but we pass our organic chemistry. And threw it out the window, it seems. And now no longer do they use it. They're just calling different chemicals the same name. And different chemicals having different, wildly different effects in the body. In 1994, we started the Women's Health Initiative, which is a study into women and... Um, they started doing a large scale double blind placebo controlled study. And the goal of that was to see the long term impact of hormone replacement therapy on women for heart disease, osteoporosis, cancer, and strokes. This is primarily in postmenopausal women. The only form of hormones they were using with them was the synthetic progesterone and the non human horse derived estrogens, conjugated estrogens. They did not use any bioidentical. Now, that in and of itself is good. Let's do a study on synthetic and and non bioidentical animal derived hormones on human bodies and see if they're safe. Okay, I think that's a good thing to do. But when they did the study, they didn't use those terms. They said progesterone and estrogen. They didn't specify that they were doing synthetics in that case. In 2002, the study was stopped. 2002 the study was stopped and the reason why it was stopped because there was such a radical increase in the risks of breast cancer incidence and in the heart heart uh pathology into um uh, myocardial infarct and stroke that they had to stop it they had to stop it that led to a profound amount of confusion because the study and the press claimed that all hrt was dangerous they said all estrogen progesterone was dangerous because they used the word estrogen to describe the synthetic horse-derived, excuse me, the natural horse-derived estrogens. They used estrogen to describe that. They didn't delineate it as being animal, non-human. They didn't say this is synthetic, non-natural hormone progesterone. They didn't describe it that way. They said just estrogen and progesterone cause cancer. I remember being in practice during that time and how many women flooded my practice with issues with their hormones. This is before I was really starting heavily with hormone replacement therapy. I was doing more fertility back then, but I did some, some, some treatments in those areas. This is in the beginning of my practice. You know, it was a long time ago. And I remember women coming in who were just abruptly taking off their hormones, bioidentical or synthetic, doesn't matter. They were taking off everything because everything was bad. So a huge population of women were put through menopause rapidly like chemical menopause where all of a sudden you go from having hormones to having nothing and if you're a woman that's a bad experience that's a very uncomfortable experience i remember it and we didn't have very many tools to treat that back then i mean there's natural compounds we can work with we can do our best but you know that was a huge amount of people right away suffering because they weren't using the right terminology the take home is this a doctor i've said it before i'll say it again because you should always hear this docera means to teach the role of the physician is to educate okay if you go to one doctor and they say i think we should do bioidentical hormones this is why these are the things i'm expecting these are the things i'm worried about these are the things we can get from it and they sit down with you and go over it line by line, and they say, this is the research, this is the reason why, this is the books, this is it, this is what we're doing. And they educate you on it to make a decision. That's good. If you go to a different doctor and they say, that's terrible, you're going to get cancer and die. That other doctor had better come with their research as well. That doctor better come and explain very clearly why. What I find out there is that's not what they do. They These physicians who say that estrogen and progesterone will cause cancer are not reading the literature. They're not being precise. They're just going off an uneducated opinion that they have. I do that in my marriage <laughs> sometimes I'll say things with profound authority I'm like you can't park on that side of the road otherwise you know you get a ticket and my wife's like why are you saying that that's not true and I sound so official when I say something because I think I you know like I, we do that you know sometimes we'll we'll, we'll be more like sound sounds so official when we have an opinion on something and we don't want to be wrong you know That's okay if you're doing it around, driving around the neighborhood, you shouldn't park over here. But when it comes to someone's hormones in their life, you shouldn't do that. You should be really clear. You should know what you're saying as a physician in the room with a patient. And you shouldn't go in there and just say something alarming and shocking and insane like that. And you definitely shouldn't yell at your patient. If the patient is doing something that you don't agree with, It's your job as the physician to educate them based upon why you believe the way you believe. And then the patient makes the decision. Always will. The problem is they'll just go in there and sound so official and and so authoritative. And it's difficult to say no to that. I know that. But just think about it logically for a minute, what I just said. I promise you the person you go in the room with who says that hormones are going to cause cancer they are not going to be able to explain to you the difference between natural, non human, synthetic, and bioidentical. I bet you if you'd show them the structural differences, they'll deny it or they won't really address it. When you show them the research surrounding it, I guarantee you they probably haven't read it. I know it's confusing. I see it in your notes I see it I read your guys's comments I really do I don't respond to every single one of them you know I, I run a practice uh, a large practice with with you know a lot of other physicians with me and I you know I manage that and I, and I, and I love being a father I'm a, you know, I'm a husband I, you know have a full life but I still really do my best to reach out to you guys and because this is important to me um, and I see your concerns with this I hope this helped I hope this answers some of your questions um, please like subscribe and share. I will read your comments. If this areas of this didn't make sense, I will read that and then I'll circle back to it. I, I really will. Um, you'll probably say you kept making the mistake with the equine estrogen being synthetic. I did. I'm sorry, I did that. I think three times this episode, maybe four. Sorry about that. Anything else you want me to do, I'll do. But I'll, that I already did that wrong. Uh, thank you for tuning in and uh, I'll see you the next time.